0: I've got a mic on. Does it work? Yes. (laughs) Good. Uh, Thank you. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about Dale here. Uh, Every time we had lunch, when I was was writing editorials about the environment and about energy, over a 20-year period, uh, she would suggest something I might want to write about. And invariably, I did. Uh, The last example, I think, involved the governor of New Jersey, Mr. Murphy, right? And the question then was whether he ought to uh, keep New Jersey's aging nuclear plants alive, and if so, how should he plan for their eventual decommissioning? And I said, well, Dale, what should I be saying here? She said, well, do this, do that, and the other thing, and I did it. But the most important thing is that Murphy did it. Uh, I think in all my years of writing about this, I've never met anyone quite so persuasive as Dale. Now, in my case, it was just an audience of one person, me, uh, transmitting a message to another person, the governor of New Jersey, right? She had her staff working for her, so it was a rather small universe. Now, obviously, <laughs> the people she's the universe she has to persuade is much, much larger. I mean, this was a tough job even before she took it on and it got tougher still with the passage of that legislation that sets that goal, that target for the state of New York to be carbon-free essentially, or net carbon-free, or whatever the hell the exact phrase is, (laughs) by mid-century. That universe includes the governor, the legislature, a myriad of regulatory agencies, the regulated companies, the taxpayers, the ratepayers. Many, many millions of people. That is a big, big job of persuasion. Now for a question. First of all, is this even remotely achievable in your mind, the 2050 deadline of net neutrality? And two, if it is. What are the principal obstacles that you have to overcome? You've got a long list of things you want to do in energy efficiency, in fuels, in electricity generation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But what are the big things you've got to do, which presumably become your big obstacles?
1: Yeah. uh... I mean, if you
0: had to prioritize.
1: Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge is the one that you started with, which is the persuasion challenge. I mean, there are technical challenges. There are, you know, I mentioned affordable housing. There are a handful of things that I really want to be able to have a breakthrough um, in the next few years while we're working about the, on this, about how to get to the different goals. Yeah. But we have a ton of analysis. Uh, that people have been working on for years about technical and economic feasibility studies in each of the sectors, and some are further along than others. We know we have a lot of experience of policies that work and don't work, and not for everything, but that we can borrow and learn from. But persuading people, whether it's um, you know, political leaders or business leaders or um, the general public. That this is something we want, that that people want this and we want to do it, and what is the end result gonna look like? And you know, there's a multi-million dollar ad campaign that's been going on for years about everything that we want to do is a job-killing energy tax. So people have this negative view that this is just gonna cost money and be about suffering, and I can't have something, as opposed to. You know, we're all getting Teslas. And we're going to have radiant floor heating. And um, our children are not going to have asthma in our schools anymore. And when you ride your bike to Midtown, because who would do anything else, you're not getting a mouthful of diesel exhaust because there is no diesel exhaust on our streets anymore. When people start thinking and seeing pockets of what this really looks like and what we could all have and we want it, then that is going to be much easier to work out all the policy de- details and um, and figure out how to pay for it in a way that people are hugely supportive of instead of the reverse. That was my
0: next question, which is how we're going to pay for this. Yeah, I'm a taxpayer and I'm a ratepayer. Now, in all the editorials I've written, and you and I agree on most of the uh, just about all these issues. I've always emphasized the fact that the benefits of tough regulation invariably outweigh the costs. And if you just on a sheet of paper look at costs here and benefits there and measure it over a period of time, you're gonna come out with a very strong argument for that legislation or that regulation. The question is how do we get this going in the short term? I, I get a bill every month. From Con- yeah, right.
1: Me too. And it goes <laughs> to
0: various purposes, correct? And I send tax money. I said I paid my income taxes, city mm-hmm. and state, you know, and it goes for various purposes. But how is that money going to translate into the objectives that you want to achieve? In other words, I'm my bill is pretty big for uh, August because it was hotter than hell, and I had that AC going all the time. Right, not a great citizen of the world, but I wanted to stay cool. And it came in, and I said, "Well, I don't know where this is going to go, right? But I got to talk to Dale about this because she's going to want to use some of that dough for her purposes. But who makes that decision, right? Uh, and where do you want it to go initially to get this ball rolling? Is that a fair question, huh?" Yeah. Uh, Think of it from, yes. the, from, from the little from the little worm's eye view yeah,
1: that yeah. I represent, right? Right. right. Uh-huh. So, so one thing you probably need is some energy efficiency services from okay. your utility, so that your air conditioning bill can be lower, <laughs> okay. and you can still have a very cool, comfortable house even on the hottest day of the year. So we're, you know, we have been doing energy efficiency for the long time, but we oh. have not been doing all yeah. cost-effective efficiency. So part of it is taking the money that you already send to your utility, that we all do, and spending that money in a smarter, better way that's the same amount of money, not necessarily more money, um, but that is investing in solutions that over time are gonna save money for everybody. So we're gonna lower the state energy bill. Everyone who's getting those energy efficiency services will have a much lower bill. Over time, we have to get, everybody has to have access to those efficiency services in the meantime, while we're scaling it up, we have to make sure that no one who's on the lower end of the ladder economically is crossing the, uh, the uh, affordability barrier. So we're, we may have to increase what we're spending on assistance during that time. So, how do we do that? I mean, the utilities finance things. Um, you know, we've got NYSERDA and NYPA, we have the Green Bank. We have a lot of tools at our disposal to figure out how to. Have that be smooth for people. But, like, one thing I would step back and say is you know, the history of our energy bills is not one of steadily declining costs, you know? And what, when we project what BAU, business as usual, is going to be, and we compare everything we want to do to that, one thing we know is that business as usual projection is wrong. It's wrong every year. If you look back and see what those projections are and how we thought demand would grow. Every year. And this is true everywhere. It's not like a New York problem or electricity sector problem. So, you know, taking a step back and saying um, the larger picture is not a simple math equation. We have to have like a more sophisticated view of the costs that we're avoiding, that we think we would pay if we didn't go down the road that we're going. And then, of course, the asked who's deciding the energy bill and the utility. Um, Investments and what our Public Service Commission is directing our utilities to do is only one place where we make decisions I mean think about all of the money that we spend as a state for economic development Um, And that's one of the things that I'm so excited about that My economic development counterpart and I are working really closely together on workforce development. We spend money already are we thinking about how we spend that money with these goals in mind so that everything the state is doing is aligned and we get all these twofers and threefers? So um, there is a lot of analysis. We do do cost-benefit analysis. The benefits are enormous, but sometimes hard to compare when you're just saying, I've got to spend this money right now. Uh-huh. Is there going to be an energy increased energy cost right now? Um, so I think you, we do have to look at these, you know, sort of take a step back and look at the economics a little bit more broadly as well.
0: Well, uh, that's a very good answer. As a newspaper guy, what should I be looking for over the next two? We've got this commission that's studying this Mm -hmm. stuff to give you policy options, right? Yep. They have a three-year time frame. So should I be looking for any dramatic announcements about renewable energy or about whatever? Fuel shifting over mm-hmm. the next three years, or is it just going to be yeah. study period?
1: No, no, uh-huh. no. We we have to um, you know build the ship and sail the ship at the same time, or improve the ship. So you know perhaps that you perhaps being being the savvy newspaper person that you are, you probably noticed that we had a huge offshore wind announcement just uh, a couple of months ago. So yeah. now we have the largest procurement in the country on offshore wind that happened. You know, the day we sign the legislation, we're not waiting until the legislation is implemented to do these things. So, and the legislation itself codifies some of the um, investments that we will be making. Okay. So there, that will come out over time. You know, I mentioned energy efficiency on the electric side, energy efficiency on the gas side will be coming soon. Also, scaling up heat pumps will be coming soon. So there are things that are already in the works. There are several different things going on on electric vehicles and yes. building out the charging infrastructure, incentives for electric vehicles, how are we going to attack fleets? So, we can't wait until we have a complete roadmap to do all of that work. And, you know, much of it is already in progress. So, we have to merge ongoing policy activities into the roadmap discussion, which will be bigger and broader and cover more sectors, you know, they're all overlapping. Um, so you will still, you should still keep your eye out for many, many announcements um, between now and the date that we have to deliver the finished roadmap.
0: That's great. Uh, I did see that, and I was happy about it. <laughs> but I need a little bit more. You
1: know. Yes, you're going to need more. We all, we're all, we all going to need more.
0: Well, on that quick question on, on when and other so-called renewables where does the state stand now in terms of generating electricity for renewables it's still even with um, a rather significant jolt of uh, of uh, hydropower right we still have yeah, yeah. A, it's still fairly small yes. altogether isn't
1: it yes yes we still have a long way to go um, we've had we have the um, benefit of hydropower that we've had for a very long time. And you know we have been working on renewables for a very long time. And I don't want to imply that, therefore, we've got it all figured out. And the scale, we haven't been scaling at the pace that we need to. But just in the last, uh, I think it's the last two years, we've awarded contracts that equal 10%. That's the pace we need to be on to hit our numbers. And because we are now getting to that pace, finally, we're, that's what gives us confidence. 10% wind, 10% wind, yes. offshore and onshore together over the last two years. So, and solar, you know, solar has 1,700% increase uh, since 2012, I think, and also plummeting cost and the, the cost of the incentives has plummeted. So the economics are changing. Where we are really going full force on policy, which isn't to say we don't have a lot to do, and I'm very aware of you know, the siting issues, the article 10 issues, the change to the way that we structure the incentives on the solar side and the, um, you know, uh, the frustrations around that. So we we do still have a lot of work to do to really unleash these these subsectors of the clean energy sector. But I think we can already see, and I'm getting feedback also from um, industry colleagues that, People can see an improvement on the ground, and you know, yes, we need to do more. We need to do it more quickly, but directionally, we are um, making more progress and getting onto the pace that we need to, and which you know we have not been on until recent years yeah. for meeting those kind of goals. That's
0: very encouraging. You know, uh, let me interject a personal note. Uh, I went to bat editorially for a project that was going to be built in Nantucket Sound called Cape Wind. And it was invented by a very aggressive and interesting and funny guy named Jim Rogers, I think. And it was the one issue that uh, united the Koch brothers and the Kennedy family. Neither of them wanted those windmills out in Nantucket Sound where they could see them. And Jim's problem was in the end that he, first of all, it took forever because those two families were extraordinarily inventive in terms of uh, finding legal obstacles, including persuading a nearby Indian tribe to oppose the project because eons ago, there was an ancient burial ground out there in Nantucket Sound. But one thing after another, and expenses went up and up and up. But the real problem was that Jim never really got the power purchase agreements Mm -hmm. from the utilities to buy this stuff once he got the windmills going. So presumably, you got that all figured out, right?
1: We're working on it. No, I mean, those are real issues, right? I mean, and I don't think you can't... There's a danger to just trying to cram things down people's throats so we want to figure out i mean uh and people who don't want something come out on the street and tell you whereas people who are supportive don't so and this is a conversation we were having on friday in albany with the renewable industry um clean energy industry and that some of you guys were there uh you know how can we do more to pull out from the woodwork the supporters who do want these things in their communities who see all of the benefits and You know, we can have nuanced uh, protections around, you know, mitigating visual impacts or whatever it is, but uh, as opposed to some communities that really just want to have a blanket um, rejection of anything, but we can't have hurdles for clean energy solutions that dirty energy solutions do not have to face. Like, we have to step back again and say, we all want energy resources, there are trade-offs. Nothing has zero impacts, although energy efficiency is close. Um, so, how, what is the smartest path forward? And what are you for? You know, and um, pull people to. I mean, there are many different voices uh, on. You know, that have nuanced opinions that are not just. You know, we never want anything, or we want to do whatever we want with free reign. That can help us navigate those kinds of thorny situations, which, which do still exist, even though not in that um, quite at that level.
0: <laughs> what uh, <clears throat> question about vehicles, cars. Uh, I read somewhere the other day, maybe even this morning, uh, that a lot of the cars that we buy this year, next year, are still going to be on the road 20 years from now. At which point you're beginning to push up Against your targets, your deadlines mm-hmm. for uh, economy wide redu- uh, reductions that will get us to net zero, right? So obviously, you're going to have to move vigorously to convert the fleet to a zero carbon emission fleet, right? Mm-hmm. Which means electric bills, which means electric power, it seems to me, unless suddenly the long sought dream of the uh, hydrogen power car comes true uh, but that in turn is going to require a lot of electricity right uh, that is now I don't think required because we have very few EVs relatively speaking so how do we how do we move forward on electric vehicles without putting very heavy strain on the electric grid as we now have it in other words you've got to mm-hmm. Do those two things yeah. at once, presumably, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, it's, if we if we're smart about it, which we will be, we you, <laughs> there's a huge opportunity for this to be a boon for the electric grid because you will have all vehicle users as well as building heating customers now contributing to the maintenance operation of the grid. So. That's a huge increase in users, but there are who can contribute that will put downward pressure on the rates because just the cost of running the system, more people will be contributing to it. And, you know, we're not using electricity like this, right? We're using electricity like this. So, how do we make sure that we, every time, every place where we have opportunity, because we have flexibility of when people are using that electricity they're using it in all of those pockets and you know we are we can learn from what California is already doing in this space they are further ahead in that integration they have a different they're going we we will have different challenges than they but learning how to be proactive operators of a grid that is completely different than just having a central station power plant that's constantly um, sending electricity in, and the plant itself moves up and down based on we just do whatever we want, to have much more activity on the demand side that we're being smart about when we're charging, whether it's because we're getting price signals, or there are programs, or our house just does it for us because it's so smart, Um, we have to make sure that we're getting our energy use into those pockets and thinking about the grid and managing it in a much more dynamic way.
0: Well, it's an energy future I personally look forward to, but uh, given where I stand on the age scale, I just want you to hurry up. Uh, uh, Yeah, Uh, Thank you. Thanks very much, Bob. Can we have a hand for these guys? All right. so as promised, we're now going to um, open it up to questions and discussions, so uh, raise your okay. hands.